0: are real geniuses richard jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you he hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field sleep science cancer stem cells ketogenic diets and more here come the geniuses this is the finding genius podcast with richard jacobs
1: hello this is richard jacobs with the finding genius podcast i have zachary wang he's an associate professor in the department of entomology at Michigan State University, and we're going to talk about honeybees. So, Zach, thanks for coming.
2: Thank you for inviting me.
1: Well, tell me about your research into bees. What are you looking at?
2: Uh, my lab uh, focuses on different stresses, how they affect honeybees. The stresses we studied uh, include uh, parasites such as Varroa destructor, the biggest threat to honeybees, uh, pathogens such as Nozema soane, and other. Big threat to bees: uh, pesticides, of course, how they affect uh, behavior and physiology of bees, and uh, recently also transportation, how moving bees could affect the bees, uh, reducing their resistance to diseases and uh, etc. So, um, what
1: is the main what is the main problem bees have? I, I didn't hear you. you said it fast.
2: Yeah, the main the biggest problem is mites. Uh, mites, the, mites.
1: Okay, mites.
2: Yeah. Called Varroa mites. The Latin name is Varroa destructor. Mm. So that's the, it's a worldwide pest uh, and it's been affecting bees in the US since 1987.
1: So where do Varroa mites come from?
2: We don't know uh, either from Asia directly or from Brazil uh, because some beekeepers visit other countries and then try to smuggle into. Mugging a queen, and uh, sometimes one single mite would be on the queen bee, uh, and the mite is already mated, so she's able to produce by herself. Um, and her offspring actually has a brother, sister mating, so you don't okay. need to have two. You don't need to have two introductions, just one single organism could uh, get it started. Oh,
1: wow. How do you know that there are mites? Like, uh, do they take bees and do they have to put them under the microscope and they find the mites in them, or are they visible, or how do you find
2: out? The, they are the size of a pinhead. So, yeah, they're visible. I can see them very well. Yeah, so beekeepers will find them by usually by uncapping the drone brood. The drones are the males of so the bees. So, they might prefer the male uh, bee, the drone brood. Uh, so, you uncap a few drone cells, you would see mites, which is a purple purple or deep red. So they're on the white. The deep pupa is white, so it's very easy to find them that way. On the adult bees, it's more difficult because they're the same color, almost. Mm,
1: okay. So what do the mites do to the bees? What do you? What's observed?
2: The mites uh, drink. We used to think they drink blood, but a more recent study says the mites actually feed on the fat body, the fat of the bees transmits uh, about six different types of viruses. So those viruses would eventually uh, kill the bees. So currently, uh, honey bee mortality in the country, we we would uh, guess about 70%. Mm-hmm. 70% of the colony mortality, which is about, the yearly mortality is about 50% in the country. That's 70% of that. So 70 times 50%, it's 35%. Colonies died because of the mites.
1: Wow! So a third of all the bee populations in the U.S. are are killed by mites every year.
2: Thirty-five percent. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, right.
1: Do they attack the bees all year long, or like, like, where do bees go when the, uh, you know, when it gets cold? Do they just sit in their hives, and you know, when do they come into contact with the mites?
2: mites basically are uh, with bees all the time. But uh, I have a friend who just started beekeeping last year, two years ago. But bees all died right now, so most of the mortality by mites occur, I would say September to October, and so my bees all died uh, last year by this time. But this year I'm taking good care, so most I only had I lost only two or three colonies out of forty this year so far. So, but you know, a lot of colonies could still die in the winter if they have mites.
1: Well, where do the mites come from, though? Is it Do they get it when the bees go to a certain plant to pollinate it? Or like, where do they, do they just, are they in the ground they, near the hive and they crawl into the hive, or where are they?
2: They come from other bees. So they they, they are obligate parasites, so they, they don't come from soil or flowers. So another colony infected nearby would be the source. And these visiting flowers, sometimes they might get dropped, so another bee, in the same flower could pick the mites but most most of the time mites are transmitted from drifting what we call so if you have two colonies close by and sometimes bees make a mistake come to the wrong hive that bring the mites another big route is uh, robbing so a colony is dying from mites and uh, not enough bees to defend the colony and another strong colony will come in take the honey uh, and in this process, they pick up all the mites.
1: How selective are the mites to the bees that they infect? Like, um, can they infect pretty much any honeybee? Or do they change and stick with a particular colony? Like, what's their behavior?
2: Inside the colony, they pick the nurses, They're the young bees that are three days old to about 12 days old, we call them nurses, because uh, the main task is to nurse the brood, nurse the larva. Among colonies, we do not think they would be able to pick. So inside colonies, they do pick a host. And my lab actually published a study showing the preference and why do they prefer the nurses.
1: They don't go on the workers as much as the queen, but the nurses, they they go to specifically.
2: Nurses is a type of worker. So honeybee workers change jobs as age changes. So they First two days they don't do anything, and they become nurses, and they become mid-aged bees. They undertake, they become undertakers, guard, catcher, uh, wax work, and then finally, about 20 days old, they become foragers. So those are all the temporal changes of jobs. We we'll give them different names.
1: <laughs> oh, that's really interesting. How long do bees live on average?
2: Depending on the season. In the summer, about 40 days. In the winter, about Four to five months. So the summer bees oh, or wow. winter bees are very different. A queen could live two or three years.
1: When does the ma- the the turnover happen? Are there seasons where there's tons of newborns, and then they age and then they pass away? But when does the next you know breeding happen? Like how many times does breeding happen a year?
2: Well, I don't know. So I have the, the workers' uh, lifespan, the workers' development time is 21 days. So that's re- the the brood ruin is continuous in the summer. So there's really no turnover. So the the queens are constantly laying eggs, about two thousand a day. So the the workers being raised uh, from baby to adults all the time. So that's that that takes 21 days. So there's really no generation in the summer because it's continuous. There's no discrete generations. That's why I couldn't give you an answer.
1: So is there a name is for they, the last it, day? That the queen lays eggs and then it goes into like a dormant phase for a few months.
2: Yeah, yeah, that depends on the season. If you're in California, queen probably never stops laying. In Michigan here, queen probably would stop laying around uh, middle December, and she would. Uh, we don't know the cues. It's probably not temperature. Maybe light period. So sometime in mid January, middle February, the queen will start laying eggs again. That's, yeah, February is actually the coldest time. Yeah. So it depends on the season. Um, so if, you're in, if you're in Florida, probably the queen will just continue to lay eggs. If it's warm enough.
1: So uh, is there a break that bees get, like in Michigan and northern climates, because there's no breeding going on?
2: Yeah. So in Michigan, as I said, there's, the queen has a two-month period. She does not lay eggs between middle December to middle February. Are there's, mites
1: active during that time, or they also uh, do they also go away?
2: They, when there's no brood, we we'll call those baby bees brood. When there's no brood, they mites are still feeding on the adult bees, but they cannot increase the population. Because the only time they can reproduce is on the baby bees, on the capped uh, pupa. That uh, for the workers, that's about 12 days. So that's the only time they can increase. So that's why winter, winter time is a tough time for mites.
1: Yeah. Do the mites know this, and do they go into a dormant form, or do they just keep feeding as normal?
2: Mites probably they don't really know it, and they just adapt. When there's no brood, there's nothing they could do. They could they just uh, latch on the adult bees and feed on the fat body. They cannot have babies. They have to. The queen has to lay eggs for the mites to go and do their business.
1: So do bees groom each other to get the mites off? Do they recognize that one bee has mites, and do they change behavior? Do they, you know, isolate those bees or do anything with them?
2: Yeah, there's a behavior called bro- grooming. So bees kill each other, and uh, in the process, to remove the mites. Some bees are more sensitive to mites; they would come and grab a mite and chew on them.
1: Oh, so there is grooming, and they attempt to clear the mites off each other. Yeah. Well, how successful is that? And is there a way to uh, encourage more grooming to beat back the mite population?
2: Yes, uh, people, one professor at Purdue University, trying to breed for higher incidences, uh, higher frequency of grooming, so that could confer some resistance to mites. Other bees that are called hygienic, I could smell the the, the capped brood has a mite inside having babies. So the smell, there with iron and then they would iron them and basically uh, interrupt the reproduction of the mite. So the mother mite actually still comes out and survives, but the babies will all die. So that's called hygienic behavior. So there's uh, grooming behavior, hygienic behavior, there's also other mechanisms of resistance, some... Like African bees, uh, the mites sort would of have less babies on um, a higher high infertility rate. So the mites feed it on the fat body of the Africanized bees would have less babies. So the African bees are more resistant. Hmm. Okay. And in, uh, in China, the original host of the um, mites actually are more interested in apiswana. Those bees, when mites try to have babies on the worker brood, The mites are not successful. So, mites have zero babies when they invade the worker people. They only could have babies on drones. But in our bees here, mites could have babies on both. And that's why the population really increases in the summer.
1: What's another reservoir of uh, the mites? Is there another host that they have here? Like, what are, again, reservoirs for reinfection?
2: No, there's no other hosts. They're very specific.
1: So, they have no independent life at all? They're only. they're parasites
2: of bees. bees, but they, they don't exist anywhere else? Yes. So no, they do not exist anywhere else. They are obligate parasites. They only could survive on two bee species, Apiswala and mellifera. The bees we have here is mellifera. The original host is Apiswala in Asia. And those bees are resistant to the mites because they have evolved with them. Our bees are not very really good at fighting the mite because it's a new host.
1: So. Okay, so the mites. Have, so have, have you looked at plants that bees have pollinated to see if any mites fall off and stay there to reinfect the next bee? Like you know, the mites. whether they just relying on bee-to-bee contact, where they rub up yeah. against each other, or something, or what?
2: Uh, there was a canal study actually tried to see if uh, mites drop off, and they found they made some video. Mites occasionally drop off from forages onto the flower, and then latch onto the next bee. So, that's one way of transmission. Yeah, but I figured that's the, the other ways. Hmm.
1: So, what is the main yeah. way? The bees like touch each other and the mites jump from one to another?
2: As I mentioned, there are three ways. One is on the flower, which I do not think is important. Another way is bees drifting to another close by colony. Again, that's probably important, but not super important. The most important way is robbing. So, colony attacking a weak colony and take their food and also take all the mites with them. So those are the three ways we know.
1: So I guess in the battle, they're coming into co- contact with each other and that's how they're spreading the mites.
2: Yeah. Mites can't fly. They have eight legs. They can crawl a little bit, but without a bee's help, there's nowhere they could, trans- they could spread. Yeah.
1: So how does, again, how does it affect the bee? It feeds on the bee, but what happens to the bee physically? Is it unable to do its job? Does it, does it lose that's its fair. rank in the colony?
0: Like what happens to it? If you like this podcast, Please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes.
2: The bees die early because of the viruses. The mites transmit uh, six or eight different types of viruses, and those viruses kill the bees. So, when the bee is infected, infested by the mite, the bee loses a lot of fat body. So, the bee emerges uh, weakened, has less body weight. So, instead of weighing 120 milligrams, the bee will be weighing. 80, 90, and some bees, a lot of bees have no wings. So the wings are not developed because of the virus, which is called deformed wing virus. So then those bees get kicked out by the bees uh, the first day. So the bees are closed become the adult bees in the colony that get kicked out. So the so they colony loses those productivity. You spend 21 days to raise a bee, and that bee has no wings. It's just no good gets kicked out, so the colonies will die very quickly once the mites reach a critical parasitic uh, rate, infestation rate. So if uh, 100 bees has more than 10 mites, then the colony is going to collapse.
1: Does the queen recognize what's going on when her colony is infected? Does she produce more eggs to counteract it? Like, how does the colony react when it's infected?
2: Nothing. The queen is not in charge, so she she doesn't know what's happening. If there are mites in the colony, she doesn't know. And she would not be able to produce more eggs. She will produce less eggs because the colony, the worker force is reduced. And the nutrition the and and pollen brought in by the bees are reduced. So she would actually decrease. So there's a uh, positive feedback that makes the colony die faster because of this.
1: But also if she produces less, then there's less, you know, bees to feed yeah. on too for the mites so
2: yeah but the, the last is there, species is you have. is there yeah. any
1: is there any regulation of behavior here or the mites just eat and feed until everyone's dead
2: yeah the mites uh, changes behavior a little bit when the infestation for example my lab has found that the mites usually prefer nurses and they rarely go to the forages but when the colony is dying actually the nurse and forager chemistry becomes blood, so the mites actually hopping in the forages more and uh, so that's actually beneficial to the mites because if you are more on the forages, you have more chance to spread into another colony because this colony is dying. So that sets the mites changing behavior in response to the dying colony.
1: So okay, what kind of uh, therapies have been thought of you know to counteract the mites?
2: That's a lot of chemicals. Uh, five or six different types of chemical treatment. Well, physical methods I have invented a uh, zapper, which uses heat to to kill the drones because they uh, mites prefer the drone and the male pupa. So uh, to the ratio of ten to one. So if you have a hundred drones and a hundred worker in the colony, there's a ten to one ratio. Uh, of mites preferring the drones. So I took advantage of that and, and also knowing that the mites are sensitive to temperature. So I have this device that cooks the uh, drone people and the mites, you know, and have mites separate. That was invented 20 years ago, maybe too early. And now, now there's probably 10 or 15 different types of patterned products copying that design. So now it's really going... Started going but 20 years ago i was the first one to come up with the idea
1: how does the zapper work what do you mean where is it positioned and how does it work
2: the zapper is just a heated uh, frame of drone foundation where you just need one per colony one 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 per box and you have a you hook up with a car battery when when the frame is ready and then five or six minutes later the Drone and all the mites are killed. So because the drones what? are more attractive.
1: But you're killing a what? lot of drones. What does that do to the colony?
2: It doesn't do anything to the colony because the drones are, drones are only used for mating with the queen. So for a normal colony, for honey production, it doesn't affect anything.
1: What percentage of the drones can you kill and what kind of effect does that have?
2: If you have one frame per colony, you're killing 80-90% of the drones. From the colony, there's no effect on the colony because drones are not needed for honey production. Only only if you're raising queens, trying to breed, you need drones. For a regular beekeeper, drones are not needed. They are are males, they don't do any work in the colony. All their job is to mate with the queen and die in the process.
1: Well, how many uh, drones are needed, though, to mate with the queen? And do they do that all year or just at certain times?
2: They only do it in springtime uh, in Michigan, around April and May. Natural drone production It's only occurs uh, during that time.
1: Oh, so, okay. So, is there a time of year where it's it's more important to have this this uh, you know electric frame versus others? You know, are there are times where you shouldn't kill the drones because you would endanger the colony.
2: No, you don't. Uh, you don't affect the colony actively unless you're trying to raise queens. For a regular colony, you already have a queen, a, and eggs, so you can kill the drones unless you're breeding. Because you're you're in the business of raising, you know, a thousand queens. They have to be mated. They have to have drones. They're successfully made. But if you're a regular beekeeper, you have 200 colonies for honey production. You don't need any drones. So it's okay to kill the drones.
1: Okay. Um, how come the other types of bees don't go to the frame and get electrocuted either?
2: They might, uh, on the frame, the bees, whenever, when the frame is heated, they, the bees will move away. Uh, the queen, the worker, they'll move away. There's enough time. So the, the drones die because they're capped. They cannot escape. And they're also filthy. They don't, they can't move anyway.
1: Oh, really? Oh, oh, Steve. So you you bur- burn them out of their home. Huh? Yeah. Crazy. So how effective is mic- this? Like, what's what's the, does it work all the time or no?
2: You the drawback is for this method you have to keep doing it. probably four or five times in the summer to be effective because there are workers competing with the drone brute So even if the drones are not uh, ten times more attractive, but there's more always more worker brood than drone brood, so you you're killing about fifty percent of mites every time. So one time is not enough, but if you do it uh, five okay. times, you're removing ninety percent of the mites. That would be that would be good. Okay. So there's chemicals. Uh, this uh, heated method. There's also breeding programs to uh, create these that are more resistant to mites, such as uh, grooming behavior, hygienic behavior, and there's also Russian bees uh, introduced into the U.S. that are a little bit more resistant to mites. So there are all kinds of methods, but Basically, mites are here to stay, and uh, a lot of times we we'll still end up using chemicals, which is expensive. Yeah, and uh, mites also become resistant to the chemicals.
1: Well, is there also, any downside uh, to using these frames?
2: The downside of frame is uh, it costs currently honey production because it takes energy to raise the drone brood, and then you're killing the drone brood. Um, but if you kill them early enough, the bees actually will recycle the nutrition. They will eat the drone. But if it's if you kill them a little bit later, the drone's almost formed, then bees will just drag them out uh, to the outside. But if you kill them early enough, the uh, will eat that dead babies and then recycle the protein. So how long do you keep, wait, you wait, keep wait the money. frame in
1: place? In place, do you take it out and put it back, or you keep it there like, for a long
2: time. You keep it there in the colony. That's why I invented the method. Because the original method is drawn cutting, is to have the drone frame and have mites and wait, and then take it outside into the freezer and kill the mites and the bees, and then put it back. But if you have a 2,000 colonies, you don't have a big enough freezer. That's why I came up with the method to save time for the beekeepers. You leave the frame in the colony. You don't have to take it out because it's you Conducted by, you connect two wires with your car battery. It kills the mites by heat from outside where you see So you don't have to take the frame outside, otherwise it's a purpose.
1: Doesn't the colony understand this, and then they start to build away from the frame, away from the heat, nope. so it doesn't kill their nope. drones?
2: Nope. Yeah, the bees are All not right. that small. They will repeat the cycle, because you're heating them six minutes for months. They're not going to remember that how uh, the drones are killed not and you're the not
1: eating them you're not eating them continuously you're just heating them for like once a month for a little bit
2: yeah no not continuously if you do continuously the queen's not going to go there and lay eggs it's, it's, it's too hot well
1: actually what if you adapted this technology and did a little bit of warming in the winter let's say in michigan and other places do you think that would encourage the queen to lay eggs for a longer period of time
2: that was actually uh, yeah when I filed my patent, that was actually a, a prior patent to use that as a warming method for the colony to keep the colony warmer in the winter. You know? So that idea has been used, but I don't well, think that... it's economically. It's uh, I don't think it's economically feasible. That's it, probably not uh, not very effective.
1: Oh, it's not worth it to do. Okay, I understand. What about um, you know, I've heard of like colony collapse disorder. Is that do you see that in your research? Is there any of the bees you work with affected by
2: that? I haven't seen them um, with my own eyes, but I've heard people saying that. Oh, I thought a, it was like a
1: huge uh, problem that was really pervasive.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of beekeepers reporting it. I have not, no beekeepers in Michigan reported it. I have not seen it. Yeah. But a lot of people are just calling, just uh, saying bees are dying. Uh, general mortality was uh of Krebs disorder is a, uh, very specific uh, syndrome that the bees suddenly disappear, brood and queen is left behind. And uh, we still do not know the cause for that because it's, you can't predict it. So every time you see a current disappear, you have no bodies to dissect because bees are gone.
1: That's very hard I to it. study. Huh. Yeah. Has anyone been able to tag bees with some kind of marker to see where they go during the day?
2: We can tag them with numbers or pen, mark. There's no GPS so, uh, transmitter for bees yet because the GPS is too big, too heavy. If it's more than 20 milligrams, then it's too heavy. So that GPS for birds and stuff, and also small antennas for radar tracking. But radar only can track uh, two kilometers, and it has to be direct line sight. Direct side of line, so it's not useful for checking bees if they disappear. Oh,
1: okay. So, what, what what's next for your research? What do you see is coming up soon?
2: We are trying to study transportation still. How how transportation is affecting bees? Does it disrupt their sleep, or does shaking them make the immune system weaker, stuff like that? But I'm still trying to get money. If you don't, if you don't get a grant, you can really just go ahead and study.
1: Oh, transportation! What of the uh, of the boxes holding the bees? Like to, when you when you bring them to a field to pollinate, or what do you mean transportation? Yeah,
2: moving bees on a truck. That's transportation. Because half of oh. the colonies are transported to California for almond pollination in February. So The bees are transported a lot, a lot. We, my lab was the first one to study how transportation affected bees negatively, and. Uh, now there's a there's a few labs studying that. We are the first well, how, one. How does it?
1: That. Yeah. How does it affect bees? What's been discovered?
2: I published two papers. One is to show that transported bees have smaller food glands. The nurses are not as good. Another study showed that if you transport bees to blueberry for pollination, the disease levels increase. Nazima, which is a pathogen, uh, would increase. Uh, the percentage of, bees, percentage of bees infected would be higher, and the number of spores per bee would be higher. It's transported for pollination. So, a more recent study by another lab showed the bees live one day shorter, and also oxidative stress is different. They have higher stress, high oxygen stress, and that makes them live shorter lifespan.
1: When bees are transported, are they taken away and then brought back home after a period of time? Or, like, how often are they transported? And how long do they stay out before they come back?
2: So, the bees move to California, would stay there for months, then they're transported back. So, if you're trans- moving bees from Florida to to California, it's a three or four day one way trip. So, a total of eight days coming back. So, that puts a lot of stress on the bees because they're inside the uh, black box and shaking with 40,000 of your sisters. You don't have access to water, to new food. So in a dark place, they're uh, probably stressed a lot. <laughs> hmm,
1: okay. Oh, interesting. So uh, is there's just one kind of honeybee that's used in the U.S. for pollination, or are there other species of bees that are used for other purposes?
2: For honeybees, there's only one species. Uh, but there are other bees, like blue orchard bees, that are being used for cherry pollination. There are a few other bees, uh, leaf-cutter bees used for alfalfa pollination. Uh, So they're very specialized. Uh, Leaf-cutter bees are actually quite successful in being cultured. Uh, Blue-arch bees are just uh, being studied. And of course, the scales are much smaller than compared to honey bees. Honey bees are so easy to be transported and huge numbers you have uh you know, sixty thousand per box compared to blue orchard bees you have one bee per hole. You have a, if you have a wood block of two hundred holes you have two hundred bees. So oh, it's wow. very different. So it's very different. There's bumblebees bees also I forgot. Bomber bees a box has maybe five hundred bees. So they are great for greenhouse pollination for tomatoes and cucumbers. So there are a few other species. But none of them compared to honeybees in terms of number of population and the ease of being transported. Boman bees are also easily manipulated because it's inside a box. Oh,
1: uh, also, so too, I guess honeybees can pollinate a much more diverse range of plants, right?
2: Yeah. Honeybees are very generous, and bumblebees bees are more specialized. For eggplant family, boman bees will be better than honeybees, but they are... Some of these are not as good for other crops.
1: Okay, interesting. Well, very good, Zach. What's the best way for people to find out more about your research?
2: It's just uh, either Google my name, Zachary Hua, or better yet just to type in bees.msu.edu, which is my website. I blog a lot about bee plants, so that's what I would show how bees are foraging on this type of flower. I'm also a very good photographer, so photographer. Oh, cool. So, uh, so I published uh, probably 20 different covers on different uh, books and magazines.
1: Do, you, do people say you take beautiful pictures?
2: Yeah, oh, I call good. myself photographer. So my website oh, really is called cool. com.
1: Oh, very cool. I'll have to check it out and see. Yeah. Okay. Well, Zach, thanks for coming on the podcast. It's been very interesting